Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Duncan. Evening. Jeff. Yellow. And John. Hello. Okay, for this episode, we are going to be going through the beginning of the fall 2019 anime season. You got it right in first. Bam, got it in one. But first, touching on some of our preliminary discussion last episode, we have a correction issue. After School Dice Club is probably not overcoming the challenges of being on the spectrum. Nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> no, it was, I could not imagine a more direct repudiation of our <laughs> excessive theorizing than having them playing a bluffing board game where the main character who we were suspected was on the spectrum is not only the best, but she also susses out that one of the other characters has a crush on another of the characters it was just yeah. like you're wrong you're so wrong you how excited i am that that show didn't have any deep meaning to it <laughs> <laughs> how how go on how excited i meant to say surprised but i guess you know i'm also excited <laughs> because that show sucked i mean we were kind of excited but it just turns out she was bullied as a kid yep and the oh, bullies wow. called big... they're bullying a game so she doesn't like games yeah that's all it is. it's it's completely like flat kindergarten morality that anime is known and roundly mocked for yeah. and specifically it seems like she was bullied exactly one time because every like <laughs> every significant part of her bullying happened in one instance Right, that was a well. Let's go ahead and go all in on on uh, talking right. about after school dice club. So they played uh, they played cockroach poker, where you have to um, pass people cards and lie about them, and they can call you out on it or not. And it's a game where everyone wins except the person who gets the most of one kind of animal, basically. And she destroyed her friends on that, uh, along with like the best. The I was gonna say the the best girl, but the best at games playing girl, and also the best girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> who is uh, the class rep type. And then they played uh, uh, Ink and Gold, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which is kind of a, a push-your-luck game. Um, and she won that, too, against a girl who she was afraid was her bully, but actually turned out to be... Her savior. Uh, her savior from bullies. Her end-of-the-century savior. Um, <clears throat> I have a question. <laughs> yeah. I dropped it after one episode because I found it incredibly boring and trite and stupid. Why did you keep watching? What it compels you? Uh, first off, I don't quit anime. I, and I second know, I'm off, not talking to you because you're a fucking insane human. Uh, let's not use ableist language. Uh, I, I'm perfectly sane, more sane than you, I bet, because I love all anime, even bad anime. Um, but no, I, I think I, I just, I like it for the same reason, like in scare quotes, for the same reason as I like Takunome or small parts of a psycho fufu they they teach you a board game from being to end which i think is actually kind of impressive Mm -hmm. that they like go through all the rules even for more complicated games which i suspect will keep them from handling really 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 complicated games because they've got to be able to teach it in in like five minutes or the episode is just entirely them teaching it um but beyond that nothing really i just i just like them like teaching a board game and then playing a board game and then they learn a lesson at the end of the board game it's whatever it's 12 episodes of nothing my life is not that worthwhile <laughs> yeah the, i will say that the second two episodes did a lot better job of like integrating the game with the story as it were it's not like a deep or like impactful story but there's you know there's a tiny bit of emotional stakes and if you're just looking for some like light fare it's not bad and I will say that like I do want to play both of those games now so if this is just you like haven't a played weird... cockroach poker I have not played cockroach, cockroach poker cockroach poker costs like ten bucks and it's I mean it's it's a lot like skull if you've played skull but otherwise it's a good game where there's more so even than skull there's like meta 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 lying because you'll get a card and someone be like this card is a cock is a cockroach you'll get it it's a cockroach. Mm-hmm. 
And you'll be like, well, do I continue to add to that consensus by saying it's a cockroach? Or do I, you know, draw on people think this person's a liar by saying that they've lied? Mm. Or yeah, it's it's good for head games. Yeah. Ink and gold is fine. I'm not really a big push your luck person because I tend to be very either very luck adverse or be like, fuck this game. Luck doesn't luck doesn't exist. Mm. I'll, <laughs> I'll win no matter what. Uh, well, if it, but, you, you yeah, will, it's, if it's like important to the plot for sure. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Because everyone was like, "That was a bad call she made." Go, keep going after all the types of monsters are on are on the table, and if there's two of a type of monster, you lose all your shit that you picked up from the Ink and Gold Cave. Yep. And she does it anyway, surprising the uh, the Garu. Yeah. I think they called her a black a black gal, black Garu, like the the hard, most hardcore kind, which is not true. She has like three piercings and a Letterman jacket and is sucking on a lollipop, which is like, oh shit, this one's a this one's a real rebel. <laughs> Yeah, but I know, I'm I'm looking forward I mean, to the after school dice club Kakaguri crossover. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I also Christ. like that. I mean, I said this in the in the chat. I like that they had very real a realistic depiction of cat ownership, <laughs> where where she's like, "Hey, kitty, kitty, come here." The cat just like walks by and goes under the curtain, and she's like, "Yeah, that always happens." <laughs> At the end, it was kind of bullshit how the cat came over and like sat on her feet to like encourage her to be brave. But before that, I was enjoying that. I don't. I, I think that was also very much a a good depiction of cat ownership because, you know, projecting <laughs> intentionality onto a cat that's just like, hey, these feet seem warm. I'm going to put my head on these. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to keep watching it. And it's just going to be nice to, like, see people play board games I know. That's basically it. It's entirely just, like, pleasure coming out of references for me. It's just like, oh, I know that board game. They're going to play Pandemic. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Okay. No, no. No. Anyway. Here's speaking of speaking of bland distractions before the main event. Uh, let's go to the main event where John has 19 anime that he's watching and he's going to watch all of them all the way through, which is especially impressive. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, no, this includes things I've already dropped, such as <laughs> After School Dice Club, which I will. You did not convince me to give another shot. Um, no, I, I I wouldn't want you to. I think you'd hate it. Yeah. Yes, me too. Uh, I'll start with I guess. Well, I'm not really going to start with this, but My Hero Academia started back up. Uh, yeah, that's more of that. Okay, cool. Fire Force is continuing. Um, don't really have anything new to say about it. I just, like, I've grown to like it way more than I thought I ever would. Uh, Even, like, the fall on boob parts of it? No, but, you know, <laughs> everything sucks, so you got to like what you like. Uh, Fair. Dr. Stone is still the same. Uh, yep. So that's like are... three fighting shonen, like that. that yeah, that none of which you seem. Have to you be... have you met John? Yeah. <laughs> Am I being judged? Yeah, well, I'm... you like fighting shonen. It's not bad. Are you are you judging me, Jeff? Because I'm not excited. I don't sound excited. <laughs> well, I was, it's just it's, when I... we've talked about it, like you haven't been super excited about any of those, except for I guess My Hero Academia, which we just don't normally talk about. Uh, I got in a big fight with Duncan about how good Doctor Stone is, so. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's true it's not good yeah see <laughs> actually I, let's not do the this. truth is i enjoy let's... it but i think it's not good in other ways <laughs> you, wait you were there for that argument jeff because you started insisting that oh he was right without ever having seen it anyway moving on chidori rsc is uh that's the one about the girls who shoot guns in a club i couldn't finish the episode it was Oh, really? Was, I was thinking about that, but I didn't think there was going to be enough firearm porn. I barely made me. it to where they were shooting laser practice rifles. Um, mm. I just, it was very uh, stereotypical Moe girls doing cute, 
you know, cute girls doing cute things, I guess, but... There's not, like, good details about, like... When they started shooting guns, it got into really, really CG garbage territory, and I checked out. Uh, they did not go into the details of guns by the time I quit, so no. Okay, yeah, I'm not interested I, then. I am sure that they do eventually, but not what I saw. Well, because I was interested, even if it doesn't have, like, good gun porn, which is probably kind of bad I taste, would tell but... you to give it a shot, but I know that if it's bad and you do, you'll stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually things before this that I that I would rather get stuck into watching. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll wait until it's done and then people will say, but, like, like target shooting is really, really heavily regulated in Japan, where, like, you have to store the gun at the firing range and there's like an allocation of ammo Mm -hmm. and there's that great there is a it's not on the internet anymore because it got taken down for some fucking reason so the reason Um, but there's a great there's a great article about like interviewing japanese like professional shooters about american gun laws and all of them were like why would you want to keep your gun at home you can't shoot targets at home yeah (laughs) so smart (laughs) um you, Duncan, you were going to say something. I have more to say, but you. I know well, you've I was going to ask is, I, is that the same show some of the um, previews were calling Rifle is Beautiful, or is that a different yeah. one? Yeah, that's the same one. Yeah, I don't know what Chidori ROC means. I think Chidori is a name. It's, right? uh, Ch- it's Chidori is the high school, and ROC is Rifle Something Club. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Rifle, cool. Rifle Operating Club. Who knows? <laughs> RSC. Rifle, like rifle, rifle, shoot, club, rifle shooting like. club. There we go. Oh, that makes sense, but I like mine better. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> rifle shooting yeah, club. <laughs> I have one more thing to say. Oh yeah. So the reason I was even remotely interested in it is because like you watched Sudanay recently and you convinced me to give it a shot and I really like it. Uh, and one of the big reasons I like it is because of how, like the basically the ceremony of shooting like firing the arrow. Yeah, it's really that's probably the best part of and it was great because. What was I watching where uh, it was it was in, like, Japan's past and someone was drawing so a bow? So that was and... uh, uh, the... Uh, Sword of the Stranger. Sword of the Stranger the other week. Oh, yes. The... Sword of the Stranger. Yeah, where he, like, is doing the exact, like, yeah, yeah, knock yeah. it on the bow, raise it above your head, and pull it as you lower your arms. And I was like, oh, cool. So... Yeah, and they follow, like, that very strict order of doing things. And I, I'm fascinated by that. I really like watching them do that every time. Um, yeah, Cerny's like not great. I think I gave it like an eight out of ten or a seven out of ten. Like I think um, ultimately, like the the end is kind of muddled emotionally. Yeah, if it's not it. great and you're giving it an eight out of ten, I think you need to use your scale better. No, no, I think I actually gave it a seven out of ten. Where it's where like that's like good, but like has too many flaws for me to be like, oh yeah, you should definitely watch Serene unless it's someone that I someone that I know like me. <laughs> um, but but like yeah just like the way that it documents like the like extreme like ceremony and all like the mind stuff that you have to do mm-hmm. like and like how in, they make the comment they, they kneel down they they um, they probably bow i don't remember all the details but like it's it's just a lot of steps and then they fire their arrows one by one and it's because they're on a team and it's it's really good it's it's yeah just... in high school you're not judged for your form which is something they comment because there's two guys that like do snapshots and are like really good at like just shooting really fast yeah, and not I having had, to I like just do all the bullshit by the time i or in the last episode that i watched that i just got to that but it was good and, to have like a guy sit down and be like oh yeah in high school you're not judged for your form which was just like okay so like part of getting like a score in in uh japanese archery is about like perfectly doing the like step one foot out put your back foot against your your front foot and then step and then have exactly shoulder width apart and then like mm-hmm. all of the the forms and I imagine that this, that does not exist in uh, a rifle shooting club. Yeah, so I was kind of curious if it would. That was that was where I was going with that. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I mean, 
in a lot of ways, like a lot of those super regimented things are very ceremonial-esque in Japan, like very, very mm-hmm. step-by-step following exact patterns and that, but I just hated the first half so much I didn't even get to them shooting. So, you know. That's fair. I, d- I did not imagine it would be good, which is why it wasn't something I'd picked up from the beginning. So Yeah. Um, the next one that I dropped, Africa Salaryman. I only watched it because Andy said he was going to watch it and... I'm sure he'll love it. He's not even here. I know. I'm sure that he'll love it. I didn't laugh or even like smile on the inside for the first two skits. And then I turned it off. Um, Yep. I will point out it is animated by a student that's called Hot Zipang, which is freaking rad. That's a pretty good name. Because like is like having having your heart flutter or something. It's also the name (laughs) of an anime about a ship. Right. I have that on my watch list. I know you do. On my like hundred entry watch list. (laughs) I hear it ends really abruptly without a satisfying ending. So fuck you, John, in advance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, oh yeah, I also dropped After School Dice Club. That was the last thing that I had in this order. Um, And then this is all the stuff that I uh, have continued watching. Also, I watched Black Fox, which is a movie that like just popped up on Crunchyroll, I guess, uh, at the beginning of the season. It looks good. It does look good. Um, It feels like a series that uh feels like they took a two core series and four episodes at even intervals and mashed it into a movie um and apparently it was originally intended to be a series so that might explain that huh it's it's very the pacing is really weird it's it's got cool fight scenes um the story is pretty decent like as a concept like uh it's about this uh girl who is she lives with her father and grandfather her father or her grandfather is like their family is an old ninja clan um, and her grandfather is like training her to do that. And then her father has gone the road, the the road down the road of a scientist. And, you know, like there's, there's not really any conflict. Like they both just love her and want to do what she wants. Uh, But she's still trained as a ninja by her grandfather. And she also learns about like, she helps her dad out a little bit. She doesn't, she's not really a scientist, but she wants to be. So she ends up going to school for it. Um, and then she goes back to visit her dad and her dad and grandfather get murdered. Um, and she adopts these three drones that her dad was working on a dog, an eagle and a squirrel or chipmunk maybe. Um, and they work together to get revenge. They're like AI. They're not just, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, drones that automatically do what she says. So like he made them to be her friend and like, you know, he got killed because people wanted to take that technology and turn it into war, uh, war machines, you know, as they, as they do in, anime as they do movies. in anime. Yeah. So it's pretty basic, uh, but it's a fun story idea. It's just, I wish the, you know, the pacing had been better and I guess I wish it had been a full series instead of what it is. Also, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Like Marduk scramble was supposed to be a, a full, if you remember that from like the early 2010s, <laughs> Uh, those three cyberpunk movies were supposed to be a were supposed to be a a series but then they lost like their studio backing so they released them as movies yeah um i've meant to watch them forever but (laughs) i've been worried because they might be bad because they were meant to be a series yeah where's black fox showing it's on crunchyroll for Hmm. me Uh, maybe the app is just bad i can't find it yeah it's not or it's not in canada or maybe yeah not in canada um but the other thing about black fox is the ending definitely uh is like hey please let us make more uh, <laughs> i mean it's that's kind of what to go back to like the prehistory of this podcast that's kind of what dallas was like wouldn't it be cool if there was a, a t- series of this 
extremely <laughs> mediocre OVA we've made. Yeah. I'm sure I love Hope Springing Eternal like that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, anyway, yep, that's Black Fox. Uh, I I guess I recommend it. It's it's a it's a short enough experience and it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, Assassin's Pride is the next one. This is bad, and I don't know why I'm watching it, but I feel compelled to keep watching it. Uh, you like you like feuding noble families. I've noticed though. Is that true? I mean, maybe I don't. I, I haven't noticed so. it about myself, but I think I think you like kind of like cyber steampunky like settings with noble families. Like it feels like a lot of the shit you watch is that. Maybe that's just a lot of what anime is yeah. these days. But I mean, I guess like I loved Princess Principle. That was great. Uh, I can't think. You of liked anything else. Uh, to the abandoned sacred beasts, and you liked uh, yeah. That's got like no noble families. Yeah, a little bit. The girl with the big yeah. boobs does. Um, so yeah, yeah. Assassin's Pride is about this assassin and this girl. He, this. So there's a girl who is born into a noble family and she doesn't, she's not able to use mana, which implies that maybe she's not a legitimate daughter of, or she's not of the bloodline of the master of the house, AKA his wife cheated on her. Uh, and so this assassin. Wait, do they, do they act, do they outright suggest that? Cause yes. infidelity is very rarely suggested in anime. I feel yes, like. Yes, 100%. Like they interesting say it. And that's why the assassin is hired to pretend to be her tutor and find out if she really can't use mana because if so, she's not his daughter and he's going to kill her. That's what he's hired for. Um, he ends up of course not killing her and is like, he's, uh, moved by her resolve to try to become what she wants to be and what she should, what she feels like she should be. So he ends up giving her some of his mana, blah, 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 anime, magic, whatever. Um, the costume <laughs> designs of the, like the uniform designs are awful for the girls in school. Uh, it's, it's not good. They, they look like they have a very large boob window. Yeah. It's really not good show. I, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm still watching it and I'm not going to drop it anytime soon. <laughs> Also, it stars a girl named Merida, which isn't that the character from Brave, the Pixar movie? Yes, it is. Merida, yeah. Cool, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's Assassin's Pride. Don't watch it. Idiots. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Blade of the Immortal. Um, I think that Jeff and Duncan have both watched this. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm curious yeah. what, do you, what you think of it. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to predict, putting the envelope to my head, you hate it, you think it's boring, and you don't know why you're watching it. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you've ruined it, of course he's going to say that. <laughs> no, I have it written down here. This is my note. This is my one line of notes. Feels super fucking rushed, but I kind of don't care. So there. So Jeff. you don't care that it's rushed, or you don't care about the show? I don't care that it's rushed. Like okay. it, it definitely feels like. And from what I understand, they're adapting like five chapters per episode, and sometimes yeah, a that's whole about right. Cool. Per it's, a, it's an X nineteen ninety nine situation. Yeah, so I like guess. it <laughs> is. It is flying very fast, but I kind of, like I said, I just don't care. Uh, it's it's fun enough. Like the action is, they definitely do a lot. I think to disguise a lack of budget, whether it's time or money, I don't know, in in like animation. But I yeah. feel like they do it in a good way. Like it's very, for lack of a better word, on my part, artsy. Uh, mm -hmm. They they do a lot of like messing with colors and and stuff and like framing. And like cutting away to somebody talking during action, but in a way that doesn't feel cheap. Like I know yeah. that it is cheap, but it doesn't feel cheap. If that makes sense, um, it's it's not like when Berserk's budget cratered and you way get, back when it was just like yeah, yeah, pan yeah. over still, pan over still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and like a lot of the fight scenes, like they're not like deeply like Sakuga out your eyes. It's like no, 
it's like a lot of like really quick like brutal movements and like yeah, 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 like yeah. like flashes on keyframes that works really well yeah you get some like big swirling pull arm or whatever sometimes but for the most part it's just like stab 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 everybody's down or whatever mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I i'm really enjoying it um i am actually surprised that i'm enjoying it i will admit uh because this struck me as another dororo where it's just kind of like the anime for people who don't like anime but those mm. tend to, in my experience, kind of no. fall apart very quickly. I but believe that's Megalobox. No, Thank that, you. that's Megalo- Finland Saga. <laughs> Megalobox and Dororo are both in that category, yes. Uh, what'd you say, Duncan? <laughs> I said, I'm afraid that's Finland Saga as well. Finland Saga. Finland Saga's I, got some very anime shit in it, though. Like, yeah, that's, that's like the parts I like the least about but, it. But the like... anime shit it has is the stuff that people end up liking because it's big, hyper muscular dudes fighting, right? Right. right. Like that's the what... hyper reality of anime. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Vinland Saga gave me that vibe too. Like, I love the manga. Don't get me wrong, but the anime looked like a kind of yeah. And sadly, it's like there's been a few episodes of it which have been great and which I've absolutely loved, but the they've in, they've inserted far too much um crap in there for me to <laughs> yeah i'm 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 as much as i'm ultimately enjoying vinland saga to completely just make this derail official <laughs> and put it in the show That's notes fine. yeah but like yeah like there's just too much stuff in there that's just not great and from what i hear it's not doesn't have to be in there yeah. and i don't really know what they're doing with this adaptation but i don't think it's overall a good idea the way that they've restructured it yeah i mean like i think that's that's partly why i brought it up because both villain saga and blade of the immortal as as john says they they are definitely getting through blade of the immortal at a fair whack but then and i think that works better than stretching something out because Mm -hmm. villain saga you're adding to it and you're adding to it in a way which changes its character fundamentally and the the message it's trying to get across Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, 100%. and whereas with Blade of the Immortal, there's they each episode has just been a, a short story arc, basically like a, a, mm-hmm. an encounter. It's 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 Samurai of the Week, but it's done in a very very strange pace. Like it's mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. about the fight. It's about the the build up and the. Yeah, the fights are not the majority of the episode. It's a lot of like mm-hmm. him kind of lazing about and her kind of like trying to do something and then they separate for whatever reason and he runs into the big bad for the episode and then later <laughs> she does and then he goes off to fight him and it's just a bunch of stuff like that. Uh and yeah, it it works. Um yeah. it, it reminds me a bit of um Shushi, um in the way that it seems to um locate this almost supernatural skill of the samurais and in his case in the in oh what's his his the lead character's name uh, sacred worms manji 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 yeah 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 sacred worms so that he can't actually die and he like heals every wound it's it's weird because nothing else is supernatural like explicitly anyway uh in the show so far i mean the thing is uh, what I was going to say is, even though nothing is explicitly supernatural, their skills are beyond what any normal human would have. That, that, and you well, sort sure. of. But that's kind of anime, you know? Like, yeah. That, 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 that doesn't feel 
I understand what you're saying. They're, they are definitely superhuman, but it doesn't feel yeah. well, magical, paranormal, or whatever word know, you want to use. To me, like the, the way Mushishi sort of frames it, its particular brand of supernatural as like a natural uh, consequence of these weird things interacting with the world. Like the... Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like a magical immortal. realism kind of yeah. situation. Blade like, of the Immortal kind of frames the skills of its combatants as a sort of natural extension of their circumstances and personality and builds it up f- up so that by the time they fight, you you sort of understand how they will fight and why they will fight. And, and this is a, a mild spoiler for the series in general, but like the, the general thrust of the motivation of the bad guys is that they don't like the fact that like swordsmanship has become this kind of like uh what's the word like ornamental uh pursuit that like bored rich people do like they want to you know bring uh like you know they they want it to be about killing and they want it to be about you know living that life it, it has kind of like like kind of like shishio in kenshin where he wants you know they want to go back to the battle days because that's when they were strong and so these guys being, you know, super overpowering compared to all of the normal swordsmen who are basically just like play acting, um, kind of kind of works. And that's actually like even in real life, when when like a serious fighter typically walks into a a dojo and decides to uh, and and decides to assert himself, like there's a. Uh, I'll, I'll have to put this find this for the show notes. There is a guy in China right now who has been traveling around by train because his his social credit score has been reduced so much that he's not allowed to take high speed transit. Who is just going to different like Tai Chi and like Wing Chun studios and beating up the local masters because he was like he was an MMA guy and he wasn't like a you know he wasn't even like especially accomplished. But he was just so sick of the Chinese government, like, elevating these guys and turning them into celebrities as this weird, like, cultural dominance uh, that he would just, like, show up and embarrass people. And that hmm. and, and and just, like, trivially, like, you know, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that that scene that everybody's mad at in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where, you know, the, you know, Brad Pitt beats up the, you know, the Bruce Lee imp- impersonator. And you know this. Well, he breeds up Bruce Lee within the the fiction of the film. Yeah, <laughs> it's important. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, not yeah, beating yeah. up an impersonator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's you know so, so as you know as a result you know the, you know this is, has like the anime flourish where everybody is like jumping off the walls and you know flashing around and doing things that no human could do. But like in terms of their difference of ability, I find it not a huge stretch for the story as it's being told. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's interesting that you bring that in because uh, uh, Rin is, as you said, say the daughter of a, the someone who ran a dojo and is an aristocratic woman. And the two fighters we've met, well, two of the three fighters we've met so far have been like a an ex courtesan and a uh, an orphan who was a a, a bandit, and so. Th- it's like the poorest of society being took revenge upon by the the richest and most privileged, and so it's it's got strange optics in that. 
Yeah, that first guy was kind of just a... Yeah, apart from the first guy, who was just like, yeah. He was a cartoon (laughs) villain, but then the next two guys were a lot more human, which is interesting. I wonder if that was intentional or if he he just the author just found their place after yeah that that happens a lot doesn't it like uh, someone will start off in one way and go oh well actually this isn't the interesting part of the story this uh the interesting parts that's the it's like um dr stone which yeah uh, i I, I believe that happened i very much more enjoyed that show after it got past its introduction to the village and sort of settled down there and got to know it its larger cast more i think mm-hmm. it's mm, who knows maybe i'll return to that but i think there's a lot, lot of things where you have a bad early starts where they're st- still deciding what they're doing and then focus and become far more just far more focused yeah um last thing i'll say about blade of the immortal is uh, i really like how manji fights because he just he sucks kind of honestly compared to yeah. everybody he's fighting he just wins because he can't die and so he kind of just he gets killed and then strikes back when they think he's dead mm-hmm. and it's he's not good i mean i'm sure he's good compared to the normal people normal you know idiots no name no names on the street but i don't know it's just fun it's fun to watch him kind of get brutalized and then just come back with a <laughs> sneaky stab from behind i was just gonna say i really like his like weird katana space like menagerie oh, yeah, he, of weapons he just, he's always carrying like 50 swords and just drops them out of no out of nothing he's nothing yeah yeah he's just wearing this like thin kimono and like loincloth but then he like shakes his hand and like this like weird knobby sword that doesn't exist in real life just appears yeah. in his hand but uh, it's fun what it's a, good what a what a goofy guy yeah it's it's fun i'm I'm happy that it exists so i can watch it <laughs> and then also yeah. okay cool Ascendance of a Bookworm. This is an isekai. I'm watching an isekai? Holy shit. Who would have thought that that happened? The second most surprising thing that you're doing this season. (laughs) Um, I like this one because it's very different. It's, uh, you know, it's about a a girl, I guess, died? I don't even know if she died. I I can't remember if she died or she just kind of woke up. She woke up in this uh, (laughs) other girl's body and kind of took over her body, which is kind of fucked up because now this other girl just basically dead but uh but you know the one that inhabited her body has her old memories so she kind of just like adopts her lifestyle as this young girl in this fantasy world and a kind of poor family that just does what they need to do to survive um you know it's not any like hardship it's just they do what they need to do she's kind of sickly so she can't do a lot of physical activity uh which is convenient because in her previous life she fucking loved books guys and she still fucking loves books, guys, but they're super expensive because, you know, the printing press hasn't been invented yet and all books have to be copied by hand, just like in real life. That happened in real life. I don't know if you knew that. Um, so her goal now is to be able to... Sh- to stop looking at me, Ben. Uh, is to be able to make... <laughs> uh, be able to make books uh, because she wants to be able to read books, so it's it's a little weird logic but she wants she wants basically to make books more of a thing in this world so she starts working towards that she like tries to make papyrus 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 Mm -hmm. papyrus uh she can't the grass is different and she gets fed up with how tedious it is i guess um she should try rag rag cloth paper then instead so is there no like demon king who's threatening the world or anything this is just straight up person tries to create printing press so the very first scene of the show is she 
is evident. She's clearly already like achieved her goal. Um, she's still a little girl though, which is funny. Um, and then this guy's like, I need to know why you ended up liking books. So I, th- I think he gives her like a drug so that she'll fall asleep. She like does this voluntarily. And then, uh, he like has a head. No, no. What it is is he puts a headband on her and then he puts another headband on himself. And then he like leans in and there's like this weird shadowy tendril going from the gems of the headband. So he's like learning about how she got to this point and then whatever that's like 30 seconds and then it goes back to when she first uh got into the world and then it becomes very procedural and nice and she's just kind of like figuring shit out over time and it's fun it's good so so is the headbands thing just because i don't know because they want there to be magic and not just be like okay well i'll tell you i don't know and i don't care Uh, (laughs) okay yeah that's my answer to that um it's good i like it cool great sounds interesting at least it's, it's uh it's the only good isekai this season sorry Duncan. Oof, oh, <laughs> shots fired uh sorry but the one you're watching is bad uh here you haven't watched sword. it so you can't say that <laughs> uh, like, excuse I, you if you can use jeff to back up your wrong opinion on dr stone i can just say this anime is bad without you having cut most it. of that stuff out of the podcast it's not canon uh i didn't cut all of it though uh <laughs> and then uh, there's do- the fact that i gave reasons and he said those reasons sound good where it's you going that's bad and no I, reasons first why. First of all, you haven't ex- watched it, and therefore we're absolutely no cutting reasons. this out of the podcast. By the way, I, no, we're, <laughs> we're not because I'm the isekai expert on this podcast, and I say it's bad, and that's how you know it's bad. Uh, <laughs> Ahiro Sorta is a basketball anime, a sports anime is back. Yay, it's good. It's very stereotypical. Dude likes basketball. He goes to a school. The club is full of like, uh, what's the word that I'm not gangster, but like. Uh, delinquents uh delinquent high school delinquents they're just kind of like fucking around they're in the club so that they because i think they have to be in a club and they're just in there to fuck around because nobody on the team cares she or she he cares a lot so he joins the club but they don't want him but then he's like no i really love basketball and you will too once you play and slowly winning them over because it's a sports anime (laughs) um it's pretty fun i like it uh that's it Welcome to Demon School. Iruma-kun is a funny show this season. Uh, Duncan tried to convince um, me that I was wrong, but he's wrong uh, because it's very funny. Um, True Cooking Master Boy is... No, I'm not going to move on like that. Uh, Iruma-kun <laughs> is about a kid who... Uh, his parents... He's He like does everything that anybody asks him to do because he's just super... Uh, he's an boring. idiot. He, he just he kind of follows the orders because people ask him nicely and he doesn't know how to say no. <clears throat> but uh, so, you know, he's just like it opens up with him on a fucking fishing boat, like or like on a ship, like trying to make sure that fish stay in their cages or not cages, but like they are cages, but like storage because uh, they're in a storm or something and they're all falling out. And he's like, oh, I got to help. Um, but then he gets kidnapped by a demon because his parents sold him to a demon. Um, so he goes to live in. A demon world and then goes to demon school my monitor's turned off again um that's basically the whole premise of the show uh and he is extremely ignorant about the world of demons and it's funny <sighs> yep cool you gonna refute duncan i think it labors its jokes but has some good uh physical comedy mm-hmm Okay, cool. Uh, I don't agree. Uh, (laughs) 
true cooking master boy is Food Wars, but good. Um, yep. What about Food Wars? Uh, I'm not watching Food Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I got respect. Well, that's another myself. one that Duncan's going to have to talk about then. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not. I stopped watching that at season three because it was stopped being funny and just started being pervy 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It got really bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, true Cooking Master Boy, by the way, is ill-timed because you guys did the Chinese character uh, uh, thing last mm-hmm. episode, right? Uh, this uh-huh. takes place in China, so it's all Chinese characters. Uh, and it's very much like, it's just genuine China setting. Like, you know, there's no no goofing around with, ah, they're all Chinese. Is this... I don't know, I don't know why they would. I don't know why I, I said that. Say, anyway. is, it a, is it like um, a Chinese co-production or... A... I mean, maybe. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I I will say from looking at the art, it does look a lot like a Chinese co-production. So just putting it out there. I don't know what that means, but it's good. It looks a lot like Agu's art, which was a Chinese co-production. Agu. Oh, that one that you guys kept trying to push me to watch because it was so bad. The doll, you loved the, it. The, the, the doll puppet one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. The best worst thing I've watched in years. Um, I did not watch that one, but I do, I do. I will say True Cooking Master Boy, which is a title, man. Uh, it's a good-looking show. Uh, it's very pleasant to watch. Has a nice art style. It's just very old-fashioned look looking, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. I think it's probably based on an old manga. Uh, that's my wild guess because that is pretty common. Um, no, it looks like you're right, and it looks like it's all Japanese. It's just pur- purposefully a throwback. Mm-hmm. So I, it kind of starts with him. I'm, I'm wondering if it's like a sequel series in a way because it starts with him already having achieved the the status of super chef um i think that's what they call it mm. and um so he has well, that it's, rank well, it's, it's a it's shin chuka ichiban so it's the new true cooking master boy yeah okay cool yeah what a name i just i can't get over the name so <laughs> true cooking master boy why master boy i don't know um yeah, so he's already attained the rank of super chef, so now he's just traveling around cooking for people, spreading the joy of cooking. Um, that's kind of it. Uh, he's just a good cook, and he it, it's fun. It's, fun. It's, it's food wars, but good. Special 7, Special Crime Investigation Unit is double-decker, but instead of drugs that turn people into mutants, it's about like Tokyo, but they have vampires and elves and golems and stuff and dragons used to exist but they don't anymore but there's a terrorist group that's trying to revive them and so this no-name cop gets like uh uh transferred into this special unit because he's involved with one of the crimes of those terrorist groups and happens to help out and then the guy who was there with him is like yeah let's just fucking bring him in it's it's much less goofy than uh double decker which was a comedy uh, Special Seven has some jokes in it, but it's it's more grounded, um, much more procedural. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, now, watch the first episode. It looked it looked pretty fun. It had kind of like a Shadowrun world sort of thing going on. So yeah, I, less, I've only less seen Cyberpunk, like, but but yeah, yeah, very very much. Shat- I really want a Shadowrun anime. I feel like they would just do it well. I, I don't know if I'm wrong about that, but yeah. I don't think I am. Um, yeah, like I mean, like a Shadowrun anime in the style of Ghost in the Shell, I think would be quite good. Hell yeah, man! Let's go tell them to make this together. Yeah. They'll listen to <laughs> us. Yeah, 
yeah, I watched the first couple of, or I watched the first episode of Special Seven, and I've only seen a couple of episodes of Blood Blood Blockade Battlefront. Hell and, yeah, that's a great show. And Sorry. I've and like it, it kind of reminded me of that as well because you had the like the sort of mi- like the misfit team of fixers who are trying to you know stop the bad crimes of magic and you have the like underpowered weakling who's the perspective character so like it it, it kind of gave me a lot of the same vibes as that but you had kind of like shot me down in the group chat and i'm wondering what is the like wh- why is that like what are the big differences i wouldn't say there's no similarities uh just because it's supernatural stuff in a city you know like a modern city uh the difference the big huge difference is that blood Bucket battlefront is about like this other world invading new york city right whereas this is just an alternate world where fantasy creatures happen to exist that double uh, double decker not double decker uh, uh blood Bucket battlefront goes way off the wall all the time um it is very much just like throwing so much shit around uh in terms of aesthetic and like types of people like creatures not really creatures but like they're people but they're just not human you know um which is i again is like similar to elves being in tokyo but i don't know how to phrase what i'm trying to say but it's so it's a little special more seven is a lot yeah special seven is a lot more subdued and grounded uh, blah, 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 battlefront is way over the top in its setting which i adore i blah, 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 battlefront is one of my favorite animes in recent years um and but I also like this a lot. They're different. Yeah. But they have superficial similarities, but I think that's where it ends. Okay. <sighs> um Kenji Tsuda or Kenjiro Tsuda uh, voices one of like Ichinose who's who's the main basically the main uh cop who is in that unit of who also recruits this rookie guy. Um this guy has voiced so many things recently, and I recognize him so much now. It's driving me crazy. So he also voices Manji in Blade of the Immortal. Um, he voiced Kei, uh, Kei Matoba in Copcraft, which was basically the same thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, fantasy people in a modern city. Um, yeah, I was going to say, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's funny that like the same role is played by the same guy in both of those shows. I, I took note of that instantly when I started watching it, and it's... You know, it's a funny thing. He's also like a he's like one of the vil- main villains in a uh, Fire Force. He's all over the place, and he has a really unique voice, and I like it. He's cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I just think it's interesting. Um, good show. Everybody watch it or don't. It's up to you. <laughs> no guns, life. Um, <laughs> it shows dumb. Uh, I like it a lot though. Uh, it's it's like this cheesiest noir you can get. And it features a main character who has a gun for a head. Yeah. If that sounds at all appealing to you, you're going to like it a lot. If it doesn't sound appealing to you, you're probably not going to like it a lot. Yeah, I watched the PV and it strongly gave me the sense of like Hellboy. And the first couple of episodes is kind of play- has kind of like borne that out where you have like a sort of like a, a big, super powerful lunkhead who's like basically a good guy just trying to get by in this like weird world and trying to help people where these like big global conspiracies are trying to like screw with like the little guy yeah so it's a cyber Uh, okay duncan i mean like these noises 
No, the, you've invoked Hellboy, which is like the the my favorite uh, comic of all time. So it's gonna have me, me to too. <laughs> live up to some really high standards. And like, I, I think not, I would before you go into it, he's not talking about pure quality. He's just talking about like yeah. a similarity in setting and tone. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked the first episode, but I felt a bit let down by the second because I think like one of the things about Hellboy, which I I love, is that he always gets completely beating the hell up like any fight hellboy he goes into he doesn't win because he's he's out fights them he tends to win it just because he he is similar to manji he's like nigh on unkillable and just takes a beating and eventually catches a break due to his sheer stubbornness and it, uh... it's good it's good to have well like he generally fights things which are like four or five times the size of him which is also or like I don't know, it's every every single Hellboy comic. He I can't remember a time where he doesn't get completely beaten down and left in a pool of blood at some point during the the plot. I mean, and, I mean that usually happens like during the uh, like the climax. Like they're still in the you know the early stages where they're establishing the characters and like he's still surprising people by how strong he is. Mm-hmm. And you really get the sense that like there's like you know. You know, if he like took off his weighted leg, like protectors, like and like went to his full power, then he would like be even more d- dangerous. Like, because like they kind of touch on the fact that like, oh, he is this like he's like a, like he punches a train in the face like almost <laughs> trivially and like derails it, and you know, which is like you know a night godlike, uh, yeah, thing that he can talking, do in no guns, guns life. life now. And, you know, and similarly, like Hellboy, if he wanted to, he could end the world. Like, the you know, the whole thing with Hellboy is that, like, he could destroy the Earth, but he doesn't want to. And I get the similar kind of vibe from this show where, like, this guy has this, like, sort of sardonic, sort of happy-go-lucky attitude. But because, you know, he knows how dark things can get and, you know, he just wants to, like, he wants to just wants to like hang out with people and be generally cool. He doesn't want to get involved in like the the big plot and until he's, he's forced a, to. He's such a chill dude and I want to hang out with him. I don't care that he has a gun <laughs> for a head. Like he's so he's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree that that's kind of the the best part of this of that he is quite a like likable main character. I just kind of of like felt like it was just like the the I liked him losing his fight in the first one, because like, that's typical down on down on down on his luck, um, uh, PI stuff. Like, he bites off more than he can chew, gets beat up by someone who he wasn't expecting to face, and and discovers the true horror behind the crime. And like, that's that's good good noir stuff to me. And like in the second one, it's as you say, okay, punches a train, fight, beats everyone up, and wins. And I think it's of... important, though, to acknowledge that he does have a weakness in that he needs those cigarettes. He needs that medicine to live. He says that he doesn't, but it's clear after that that, at least to me, it felt like it was clear after that that he mm-hmm. actually did because he had his friend synthesize some for him to smoke. Um, oh, and I also yeah. I quite like the fact that the his brand of cigarette is Tanegashima, which was the island where the first uh, muskets were produced in japan after the portuguese were kicked out <laughs> really that's fun. yeah that's that's fun um also i guess we should describe what he is so he's an ex 
he's something called an extended which is basically it's a cyberpunk world really uh, yeah. where all these people have augmented bodies and anybody who has an augmented body is called an extended there's some prejudice obviously because that's pretty par for the course in these types of settings mm-hmm. um he is like was it called like a overextended, over-extended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so he was he was created during yeah he was creating during a war he has a gun for a head all of these all of his type of model i guess are supposed to have a partner he doesn't currently have a partner uh that's all kind of incidental to for so far anyway um there's this big super corp uh, that basically makes all the extended right i think that's the impression mm-hmm. i got yeah uh, they they do all of it um and they're right. working on yeah. this secret thing that lets people just control extended which you know is evil yeah so now we got this Good cyber cor- we got puppet master yeah we got <laughs> the cyberpunk corporation like fucking up everything and we've got a cheesy noir dude with a gun for a head like it's so it's just a joy yeah and they're and they're 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 the whole you know the the guy who is at the center of their plot to control everybody is this kid who may or may not be the son of the ceo of the company Mm -hmm. who you know the first episode he has escaped or at least his mind has escaped in a in another extended body and that's how he uh press gangs uh resolver yeah resolver the yeah, I, I, can't I do love that name. I, I um, love the fact that that that, that for uh, they took Juzo. A, a revolver and combined it with a private investigator to make him a, a revolver. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he and like and his big motivation is that he wants to help this kid because this kid doesn't want to be a tool. And you know, it's about you know the freedom of the you know the freedom of this individual over the interests of this corporation, which you know brings the humanity in again. Like a lot of kind of Hellboy vibes there from me like just like the general like theming and tone and like motivations for the character not necessarily like yeah i mean specific uh, plot that's points more, yeah as you say that uh that whole thing is part part and parcel of um the hellboy thing in that he himself is is the key to the gates of hell and so one of the the big things is Part of the reason he gets away with fighting all these impossibly powerful things is because they can't really kill him. Because if they do, they they'll ruin his the key which he could be. And so there's always this, as I say, like you can have these fights which are him fighting something which is almost incalculably stronger than him, but is constrained by the fact it can't kill him. And I, I don't know, like there's I've. I enjoyed the first two episodes, but I just felt like it was just could just end up just being, and now he goes into overextended mode and wins the fight every time. And as long if it keeps doing that, I'll be a bit worried. But if it if it has more down in the luck, uh, down on his luck, uh, pi uh, hijinks and just sitting around in a bar drinking with his enemies that's what i i, I like in my so- stories so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more of yeah. that um all right moving on except i'm gonna step back a bit because i was thinking about this uh special seven blood bag cave battlefront the main difference between them and i'm sorry for going back but it it struck me and i have to no, say no. it uh the main difference between them is the stuff that i really really love about blood Cave battlefront is the basically the one-off episodes that where he's just like hanging out in the city with some buds 
instead of like the stuff where he's trying to solve yeah, mysteries. And I get the, well. Yeah, and I get the impression Special Seven is not going to do any of that. It's it's purely about dealing with the terrorist organizations, right? Like they're mm. going to have one-off crimes to solve, I'm sure, but like that's not what it's about. It's not about the people living in the city. It's about the people solving a problem. And in Blood Blockade Battlefront, I think it's it is solving. They are trying to solve problems, but the best stuff for me is when they're just hanging out, like because it's just a Super fun cast of characters. Okay, that's that's what I wanted to get out. Um, moving on. Stars align. It's like Hane Bado, but Hane Gudo. <laughs> oh, is that the tennis one? <laughs> no, no. Okay. Yes. Okay, uh, soft, yeah. They're, they're playing soft tennis specifically. Okay. Um, soft boy uh, yeah. tennis. It is the latest in the series, or you know, the genre of middle schoolers sounding super mature and serious for their age and uh dealing with some serious shit outside of school um has anybody else watched it it's just me nope although um i think anime news network had it rated as like their most exciting anime of the season it's it's definitely near the top for me um yeah i plan on picking it up i i highly recommend it if you're at all interested in uh kids dealing with bullshit and trying to uh is that survive one, outside of it is that the one where you you posted a screenshot of of the, of them just hit one of the kids just breaking down because of of like abuse and, and yes saying this so, was not what i was expecting <laughs> yeah so the main character uh gets transferred to the school because his mother got divorced from his father his father is very abusive um in the end of the first episode, I think it is, um, he, his father finds where they're living, walks in, is like, give me the money. He's like, no, please get out. His father hits him. It's definitely, he's definitely an abusive figure. Um, so far, yeah, that's, like, that's rare to actually see, see, see like an adult hit a, a kid in more than, in anything more than like a reprimanding slap, which anime sadly still likes to do. Um, it's, yeah, but, it's very brutal. Um, not good. Uh, but I think mm. it's handled well. Um, okay. unlike the abusive mother in Hanebod, Hanebado. Mm. <laughs> um, but to be fair, like she shows up at the very end. So of course that's not handled well. Um, so he, he's kind of like super chipper and happy outside of that. And he pretends that nothing like that is going on. He doesn't even tell his mom that his dad found him, uh, found them. Um, but he's, kind of tricked slash forced into joining the softball or not softball soft tennis club um by an old childhood friend of his who i guess he idolized said friend's older brother more than he was friends with that kid because that's sort of a big deal for him uh between the two of them um it's like i said it's it's uh, the thing, the thing I would probably pull from first is Your Lie in April, which was also about various serious, just very serious middle schoolers dealing mm-hmm. with serious shit. Um, it's probably too mature for their age, but it's very compelling, and I'm really enjoying it, and I definitely recommend it. Um, yes. Also, the other thing is the main character is basically a prodigy and is just amazing at soft tennis, never having played it before. So, you know, there's that. There is that. Um, so there's not much of the, like, learning the rules part of sports anime going on here? Um, he's definitely learning, like, he learns how to do it 
like he's taught how to do it, uh, like how to hit the ball right, etc. Uh, he hasn't actually played a game yet, so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, he just kind of picks it up real quick, you know. Um, he's very athletic, very dexterous, uh, agile, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes, but uh, yeah, good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. <sighs> Next, um, case file in decree two two one Kabuki Cho, aka Kabuki Cho Sherlock Holmes, or whatever you want to call it. It is literally Sherlock Holmes in Kabuki Cho, which is uh strict in shinjuku it's sort of like i guess it's like the bad side of town um yeah i was gonna say it sort of reminds me of uh soho in london almost like as you say like slightly shady but like has a weird amount of uh, sort of cultural cachet around it as well Mm -hmm. it's very very alive and and unique It, it i mean presented this way um yeah, it's and, the it's the neighborhood that uh, the Yakuza neighborhood Camarocho is modeled after, and if you like go there, it basically looks exactly the same. Yeah, and I was trying to eye like <laughs> as it was panning over the city and like the intro scenes, I was trying to eye anything that looked familiar, but I didn't really see anything. <laughs> the Sad Millennium days. Tower. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I I've been enjoying it a lot i think it's pretty funny uh, it's definitely a comedy not not a serious thing at all um i mean it has serious parts but what comedies don't when they're procedural uh detective stories <laughs> um so this guy who ends up being john watson goes to why are these people these people have these just american names or, or like western names in kabuki show and are clearly still japanese or at least they seem like they're considered japanese uh but anyway um yeah, so he so John Watson goes to Kabuki Cho to find Sherlock Holmes because he hears about how Sherlock Holmes is a great detective. He needs help. Sherlock Holmes is like, "No, nah, get out of here." John Watson is like, "I'm going to help you with your shit until you help me." <laughs> and so he just sticks <laughs> around and becomes a sidekick. And it's just kind of goofy. Uh, the best part of the episodes is at the end when Sherlock Holmes reveals how everything, how and why and who everything happened. And he does a fucking Rakugo skit. He he gets yeah, super dramatic. He's like he's like, do you want to know what's going on? And they and they're like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And then he fucking he does this like super extravagant like movement to sit down, and then it like goes into this different camera basically like it's like a camera filter that turns it into him actually being in a Rakugo like kimono. I don't know if that's what it's called. Yeah. in in Japan, but like. He's got the outfit on. He has the he has like the fan that he puts down in front of him. He does a bow and then he starts telling a story. But he's like not good at it. He tells bad jokes and everybody's like, oh, "Just get it over with." I just want to know what it is. Uh, it's so good. And he does it. He does it at the end of the first episode and also at the end of the second episode. And mm, mm, yeah. I, I like I like it a lot as a way of um, breaking the normal sort of gather everyone together i'm going to explain how the crime was committed in mm-hmm. trope and like to to have him just acknowledge the performance that that scene is in every murder mystery and to fully take it to the absurd lengths that rakugo does is just like it's just very enjoyable and just yeah, acknowledges the absurdity of of him being able to figure these things out exactly mm-hmm. it's like i think i've said before the thing which will always annoy me about any sort of mystery thing is if they just make the uh 
the person unfathomably competent with no nothing to to back it up at all. Whereas mm-hmm. here he's like unfathomably competent, but also enjoyably uh, bad at the same time. It's like yeah, y- yeah, yeah. He may have, have have figured all these things out, but he doesn't quite realize what a complete idiot he looks like while he's explaining it and it's it's, it's like <laughs> having some flaw to his but yeah it's, it's always annoying when a, uh, you have a perfect genius who never makes mistakes and who is just perfectly composed all the time whereas he's he's just like in a permanent sulk until he, he gets yeah. up on stage and he and then he seems to he's he, just he like so to... animated it, it's he goes he goes from like dead emotionless uh, nothing to just uh, two characters yelling at each other about how the crime happened. It's so good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, it rem- as, yeah, because like Rakugo is so similar to like stand up hu- humor and where you have uh, someone performing multiple roles and still spelling out a story with a punchline. And that works so well with the, the idea of a murder and the murder as the punchline as well. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I also really like, I don't know if it happens in the first episode, but in the second episode, there's a moment where he's like talking to himself and it really feels like he's trying to write the Rakugo skit on the fly mm-hmm. while he's solving the That's murder. Interesting. And it's, it's, uh, he's great. Um, yeah, he, he, it, he, he does give the impression that he very much lives for the Rakugo bit. And it's like, yeah. I have to solve this boring case just to be able to put on a show. Yeah. <laughs> for that people seems to who be the don't cause and effect. It. Like, nobody yeah. wants to watch it because he's not good at it. It's, uh, I love it. Um, they also do reference directly James Moriarty. Uh, they don't say Moriarty, but they do yeah. say James. I mean, um, the, they've they got say... a. Yeah, I was going to say the entire cast is just one for one. They've got a Lestard and they've got, uh, I think, who else did they have? Yeah, obviously Watson and yeah, they've, the whole who's lot that, is who's just... Who's the kid supposed to be? Is he just one of their, one of his like homeless kids who, whatever? I don't know. It's Yeah, I assume that's what his role yeah. is to basically... Just kind of the leader of that gang, yeah. Yeah, let's assume what it is. Um, I had some, I had one more thing. Fuck, what was it? They do have uh, the sort of like the, is it Okama? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a lot of that. Um, and I I know it's problematic, but I do kind of unironically enjoy the portrayal of big bearded person in a dress and just owning it. Like, it's a cool, cool person in the show. It's really fun to watch. I don't know. Maybe that's bad. Uh, Beastars. This is the um, show about, uh, this is Japanese Zootopia. Um carnivores and herbivores living together uh they're in a high school it kind of it kind of revolves around a drama club that uh legolas not legolas not legolas (laughs) (sighs) and gimli legolas and gimli (laughs) he's a wolf um he's in the drama club um one of the other members of the drama club is eaten by a carnivore not him um but it it's like the first two episodes at least are kind of introducing him and the other characters that are around him, including Haru, who is a bunny, like a very tiny bunny. And it's evident, like it, it's obvious that through the OP and everything else that they're going to sort of get closer. Um, and he's sort of like fighting his demon of being a like a predator, like 
versus you know the super vulnerable prey um mm. the op is good the op is really great the op is fantastic it's stop motion uh like not puppets but like it's it's just stop motion like wolfman and a bunny girl and they like confront each other and then start dancing and it's just, it's it's really fun to watch uh, it's, I, I like it's very the, unique. the end of that as well where it, it's it's they've had this they start off with oh it's, it's a bunny and a wolf is he gonna attack and then they start dancing and everything's happy and they're 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 all enjoying it and the music's jazzy and then, then it sort of cuts to him sort of like in the moonlight again and just feasting over some sort of corpse and it's like yeah yeah it's and it's like it's is he like just puts in that little little bit of of like is he gonna do something bad at some point maybe not to her but is it all gonna be as plain sailing as as we want it to be have you watched episode well i guess you did watch episode two if you saw the op um yeah i mean he does hurt her um he pounces on her in the dark and like is about to eat her before somebody finally distracts him fortunately so he doesn't you know kill somebody uh and then Mm. later he he runs he runs into her again uh she apparently she either forgot or is pretending to forget what happened like memory loss um it's it's a great story so it's also cg um which normally i hate and this is from Studio Orange, I believe, who made Land of the Lustrous, which I it fucking is. loved. Um, and Land of the Lustrous worked for me a lot because they were so inhuman and they were gems. And like, if they broke mm-hmm. their bodies constantly, and you would see the gem shattering and like pieces flying everywhere, you'd see like the refraction and reflection of the gem edges and corners and surfaces, and it was very, very pretty and worked really well. Um, here. I don't, it doesn't work quite as well for me, but sometimes it looks spectacular. Sometimes it looks bad, but that's also kind of all anime. So I guess I'm just that if I, if I criticize it for being CG at that point, I'm kind of being nitpicky, but also like when it looks bad CG, I think it looks worse than when 2d anime looks bad. So, you know, I'm a mess. Um, it's, it's a good show though. And overall, I think it does look really good. And the facial animations are fantastic. And something I noticed that I don't usually notice in, other CG anime is like the faces. They'll actually change the texture of the faces to add like wrinkles or or even eyebrows sometimes, like thicker eyebrows, whatever. Um, in a way that like most CG anime would not do to a human face, they would just warp, you know, cha- change the bones or whatever, like to anim- animate it, but not change the texture. It works really well here. I like it a lot. Okay. <laughs> yep. So it's CG, but it's not, but it's not like it's not like cheap like Hatsume Miku. Like no, studio no, 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 looking, no. they're putting shortcuts. real effort into it. it. Is it is very good. Watch it. It's one of my. It's up there with Stars Align for me in in top shows for the season, along with Babylon, which is my last one. Whew. Yeah, actually, <laughs> it's good. Everybody, unfortunately, this is the one I watched like first in the season, and then they also dumped three episodes, and then there's a fucking month break, so I don't. It's not as fresh in my memory, mm-hmm. but. Somebody else, please explain, because I don't want to fumble over my words. Hey, thanks. Uh, You've been talking a long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, Babylon stars uh, Zen uh, Seizaki, uh, who is a public prosecutor for the Tokyo District uh, Public Prosecution Office. Um, the show takes place in sort of like a near future. Uh, there has been this like it's 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 a it's. It's very much a uh, 
Like it's a detective story in the very classic sense where a big part of the thrust of the plot is about a shady land deal that's going on. Uh, so the like higher ups in the government and the and corporations have sort of carved out this chunk of Tokyo to create this like special district, which are not going to be subject to normal laws, uh, including mm. uh, like, like labor regulations and financial regulations. And uh, as is like, is a kind of like a big reveal towards the end of the third uh, episode even like there's not even any regulations against like killing yourself and it's 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 basically like like galt's like gulch it's this like libertarian fantasy where they're like this is going to be a you know a laboratory for the world to show everybody how we can get back on track you know not just japan but everywhere and so a lot of the like there's sort of like a, a a conspiracy about like fixing elections to get sort of like their groomed guy in charge. And this prosecutor is uncovering this, but along the way, key people in this uh, plot begin uh, ending up dead. And they all are linked to uh, a woman. And as they are tracking her down, they realize that, Oh, this woman who appears differently, you know, different face, different hair, different body type, uh, you know, different body type insofar as anime goes. So there's like, you know, sort of thin small girl, and then there is sort of thin girl with big boobs. You know, that's the about the range that they get in the show. But uh, it's like, oh, this is all the same person, and she seems to have the ability to just get people to do whatever she wants, and what she usually wants them to do is kill themselves. And so that was sort of the big. Uh, big sort of shocker the towards the end of the third episode and so it's it seems like it's kind of maybe a little bit supernatural but for the most part the show is a very sort of grounded very procedural very political uh thrust to it yeah it reminded me a lot of uh the pat labor stuff without mm-hmm. the with obviously the sort of cyberpunk elements dialed way back into a more contemporary setting yeah uh, yeah, like it has kind of like, you know, like maybe psychic mind control stuff instead of like mech stuff to sort of give a flavor to the the much more hard political yeah. thriller kind of stuff. That stuff sort of reminded me of a show we, I think, watched a, a long while back called The Perfect Insider, which had a very charismatic, very smart female lead and which pl- for a long time played with what exactly is going on with her is she just is something supernatural happening or is she just set up everything all these ducks in a row so that that's things work out how she wants and i think like i'm getting the same feeling here that it's just going to be a, a mastermind rather than any um psychic or supernatural stuff going on mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it, it could be anything at this point it, it doesn't really matter. It's mostly been about the conspiracy and him having to make choices between, you know, does he stay loyal and like, you know, does, is he convinced by these people? Does he think that what they're, you know, do their wrongs make it right? And the the stuff about like the the weird Black Widow lady who's making all these guys kill themselves, including his like his co-hide partner who he sends to like you know, not knowing it sends him after her to like track her. And then he ends up killing himself. 
Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of the a lot of it has been him trying to like figure out what's going on with this. Like it's you know it's not just about him talk you know it's not just about like land deals and personal ethics. It's also uh his own sort of like he wants to like get revenge for this kid. How reliable do you think this narrator is, Jeff? I haven't seen any reason to doubt the framing or the narration. I think it's I think it's pretty clear that his you know this this character Zen's uh, major downfall is that he is too straightforward for the world that he's in, and so like if it reveals that actually he's the mastermind all along, I think that will be kind of weird. But um, well, I, I don't know if it has obviously the same uh, uh, sort of connotations. But immediately when you talk about Zen in the West, you've got that division between dark and light. And so a split personality lead is not something I would rule out. Uh, I mean, at this point, I like I haven't seen anything to, to to suggest that this is like a split personality story. It seems pretty clear that there is this like weird lady who has the ability to look like anybody and make anybody do whatever she wants. Like that—that that seems to be confirmed above and beyond his own perceptions. Like, if if it turns out to be a weird, like, like like a fight, like a Fight Club kind of situation, I don't think that's the case. I mean, we're like purely into speculation yeah. now, and we've I already proved supposed... that we're not very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're also very very early in this show, and it is a show which is very concerned with mood and. Uh, not necessarily straightforward storytelling. It, it I, th- I think that the strongest point so far for me was the second episode where um, the femme fatales, uh, in well, well, where the femme fatales, it's it's like the classic Hannibal Lecter stuff where the femme fatales supposedly being interrogated, but is in fact doing the interrogation herself, mm-hmm. and and. Yeah, and the the animation of that, the framing, the the direction of that was spectacular, and I yeah, that sold me on the show. I mean, I was already sold, but that that scene alone would have convinced me to watch anything they put out for the rest of the season. Yeah, expand I mean, upon that. Uh, no, <laughs> fair enough. Well, no, I will then and say that um, like the the thing which really worked in that scene for me is is. You get a lot of things where that it is masterfully framed, and that you're taking shots which create this sort of feel of surveillance and and of this idea that, that this conversation has been monitored and and just this tenseness around it. And yeah, then it, I think it like letterboxed the thing too. Like I had black bars mm-hmm. on top and bottom yeah. to differentiate it from the other stuff, and they kind of like jump back and forth between that and like leading up to that. Um, just like Kabuki, Kabukicho Sherlock, the thing which, like, in a completely different way, which made the scene was when she starts um, telling him a story about what what she gets up to uh, yeah. with these these men, where she, it's sort of cuts from what we've been seeing, which is just like normal. Well, normally presented to presenting it almost like a four free aspect ratio old vhs tape with her sort of being talking directly to a candid camera about what she she's been doing and like that was really weird because like the first time it cuts to it it's just this long long hold on 
close up on a, a, a lampshade and you're like oh what's going on here next thing it cuts back and it's her walking into the room with this this couple of old men and it's like it's, then it gets obviously seedier from there but um it's just very strange and very disorientating and like mm-hmm. you, and yeah. it does things like so like Duncan said like the the main the detective whose name i forget uh is zen zen is interrogating her and or trying to interrogate her and you get a lot of like cuts where it shows him on one side and her on the other but as she starts getting control like he's pushing or she's pushing him off the screen uh yeah is really effective at showing that uh, at showing that uh she's taking control of, of of the uh of the situation um i really like that i really like also when uh she starts talking about like what she's doing with these old men and she goes into pretty explicit details about like what she might have been doing sexually. And then she starts moving her hands as if she's giving someone a hand job and it is exquisitely animated and <laughs> very sexual, explicitly sexual, um, without showing anything. Uh, no, I mean, they're showing it. Well, you mean like, like without showing an actual, yeah. Man, like, she's like, she's like, she's like, she's miming it, but like it's, it's, and it's very, very clear what she's doing, but there's mm. no, and, and, and the thing which is, it's interesting. is like, she's far more interested in Zen's discomfort than she is in the story she's telling, even though yeah. she's telling it so luridly, it's all, all about, it's all about his reaction for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. It's a good show. It it's is. A lot. This season is extremely heavy for me, as you have just learned. There are a lot of shows that I really am enjoying a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Assassin's yeah, Pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real strong season for sure. All right. I'm done with my list. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <Yay>. Well, <laughs> despite John being the isekai master, I think there's one more isekai yeah, that yeah, cautious, people are watching. So, uh, oh, you know what? I forgot. We did watch you and me, Duncan. We watched that fucking isekai with the wrestler who was oh huge god, furry. and then we both dropped it like a god. It's well, bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all. I don't have any. I don't want to talk about it. I just wanted to call out that it was bad. Go on. What's <laughs> what? Well, well, it's not much of a call out if you don't know what it's called. I don't well, even care. That's yeah. The, kim- kimono the, the, something. Yeah, basically it was is isekai by about a wrestler, and so uh, in a way that should be John's ideal. It's got uh, fighting yeah, and it's got isekai, but unfortunately it also has furries. And but that's even that's where, not a deal breaker because he's watching be, B stars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> like, to be clear, the furry thing is not what turned me off. The, what turned me off is that he fucking he's <laughs> he's weird. Uh, kimono Michi is what it's called. Okay he's a he's a weird pervert and yeah he is very much into it there's a moment where he fucking suplexes a like a a dire wolf or something and his his head he's like sniffing the wolf's butthole and he has the most ecstatic look on his face don't 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 i'm really glad andy's not here because he would just be like that sounds brilliant he would (laughs) he would (laughs) but it was not Okay. Well, let's 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 talk about a good isekai then. Let's talk about the heroes Kanasuba? overpowered but overly oh, cautious, which is the, a similar thing anyway. It, like like Konosuba, it is very much a uh, meta isekai uh, taking a look at the genre from the outside and taking the mick. Uh, it's and its basic premise is that 
there are myriad worlds and the gods and goddesses watch over them. And when when one of those worlds is in trouble, a goddess or god is tasked with finding a hero from another world and taking them there to defeat the demon king or whatever trouble has has appeared. And so we start with this uh, young goddess, uh, Resetta, which I, I'm not sure it's... it's might be a pun on recess, but I could be completely e- 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 wrong. But her her name's almost spelled like restart, and so I I've, I've, I assume it's a pun, but I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, she uh, uh, is handed her first big, big S class uh, world to deal with, and she's utterly out of her depth, and she doesn't know what to do. She's looking through all these. She's got a big pile of paperwork, and she's looking for it, trying to find. I mean, someone who will, she can take there and not completely get uh, destroyed. And eventually she comes across this person and she's shocked because all his stats are off the board. He's completely overpowered. But as the title gives away, he has one fatal flaw, which she doesn't read in the for, in the small print, which is that he's completely and utterly overly cautious. And the... The show is just fun because she's a complete horn dog and he's a six packed hottie and I kind of enjoy just having the uh the lead female constantly lusting after the lead male in very it's it's it almost reminds me of like a Looney Tunes where you have have like you know, like when uh, Bugs Bunny will, will dress up as a as a lady, and Elmer Fudd will suddenly get eyes eyes at, at him, and it's like in this case, the goddess is Elmer Fudd, and the the hero is just there in his six pack doing press ups, and she's just drooling over him, and it's just it's like for once the the fan service for until pretty much the end of the first episode is all all man service mm-hmm. and yeah like it, it, it i would i don't know if i would go so far as to say that the show has a, a has a female gaze but it does like she is definitely the perspective character and it is her interest in him that is uh that is centered on it and i will say that the vocal performance of the of uh Ristarti is like very good it's it's like a very good comedic performance yeah, um, the actress uh, who plays her uh, is um, Aki Toyosaki, who Ben will know from a certain magical index where she plays uh, Uhaya. Oh, good. I mean, I don't uh, think of her as having a particularly standout performance, but she's a good voice actress. Yeah, and she's as oh, she's also Medica in Medica Box. Yeah. Cool. Again, <laughs> see you before. But yeah, she 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 does a. It's far more ex. Oh god, everything's froze. Oh no! I was just looking at my audacity line. And it stopped, and I was just completely terrified. Okay. Anyway, uh, yes. So she's just this totally overtop performance, and and. It reminds me a lot of Mako in uh, Kill the Kill, where you just have this someone whose entire energy just carries you through the episode. And that's paired with a completely and utterly stoic um, hero. And 
it's just a good duo. It's it's just the 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 them playing off each other and and it times its puns well. It's got a really vivid visual language. Like the the main character designer uh, and uh, animation director uh, previously worked on Girls Last Tour, and she's very free with the way she draws things she she will distort and she will not particularly care about keeping things on model as long as they're expressive and it is that's that for me is perfect for comedy because it doesn't matter if someone's face is completely weird if it's getting across the emotion you want it to um generally it would would almost be entirely positive although at the end of the first episode, it does get a little fanservice with the demon demoness he ends up facing against. But I, even then, it was better than most times where you get a scantily clad demoness, but for once, she's actually butch and has big muscles, even if she is just basically wearing a chainmail bikini. And... Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it seems to be a cut above most isekai because it's aware of what is absurd uh, with most isekai. Uh, isekai for people who don't like isekai, if you will. Yeah, which well, is why uh, John hates it, obviously. <laughs> like so, because oh, I love Konosuba. The the thing that I don't that makes me uninterested in cautious overpowered hero cautiously title uh, is that. The reason I love Konosuba is they're all fucking scum. They're just dirty, gross idiots. Uh, and this show does not seem like it's that. Um, Jeff, how would you describe? Uh, like you've, I, I think she's pretty. She, I, I don't know. She, she's being she's lustful le- is not scummy. I mean, I think, I think Rastardi would fit in Konosuba as a character. Uh, the, the, my big problem, I only, I've only seen the first episode, but the hero, uh, Seiya is just a blank, like a block of wood. Like he doesn't have any personality. Like all of the humor is basically her, you know, getting really overexcited about everything that's happening and then him like letting her down or like, like basically like defying her expectations. Like that's, that's what a majority of the humor is on the show. It's just like, you know, she is building up the joke and then he, then the punchline is he does the unexpected thing. And like, unless they really start fleshing him out, I can't really see that formula working for a long time. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious Mm. as to where they're going to go with it. But from what I've seen so far, it's like, like you, you, you pretty much get the joke from the title of the show. Like, like the, like the PV had exactly as many laughs as a whole episode of the show. So, I'm kind of hesitant on giving it a full throated recommendation. Yeah, I, I found the second episode funnier than the first one as well. So, I don't know. I think like they went. The first one sort of it just introduced the concept, and the second one sort of knocked it up a it's 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 like um to go back to Konosuba for a second it's like with uh when they first introduce Megumin and like oh her thing is she, she, she oh this this person uses this attack which is completely disproportional and then you find out it's the only thing she can do and mm-hmm. 
she has to do it every day or and insist and like that still is like her main characteristic but the fact that she all her sort of pretensions and superiority complex give her a personality which is interestingly played off other characters as yeah, in a but, way that so far has not been with the the hero. Yeah, yeah. Like if if they somehow managed to start doing that, I might change my opinion. But I I had never actually seen Kanasuba, and this I watched one episode of this show and decided to finally give it a chance. And we'll we'll we've talked about Kanasuba before. We'll talk about it again. But if you haven't seen that, dear listeners, go watch that show. It's real good. It's kind of tacky and horny, but it's real it good. It's sleazy as fuck, but in yeah. good ways. <laughs> Mostly. We'll talk about it in the future. Don't worry. There's a movie coming. We're going to watch it. Spoilers. Some of us are. <laughs> I'll find a way. Well, okay. So, unfortunately, the other shows that I'm watching, High Score Girl 2 and Chihayafuru 3, aren't going to come out because this season's the worst for this weird, drawn-out, staggered launch of all the shows. Uh, but I did go ahead and keep my implicit promise from a previous episode, and I saw the latest Mamoru Hosta movie, Mirai no Mirai. I think I'm the only person who's seen it here, except for Andy, who had only some cryptic comments about it. <laughs> um, I saw it forever ago. I thought it was okay. There you go. That's Andy. I could have done yeah. a British accent, but no, I can't. I mean, he, he, I remember him saying that, that that he was kind of underwhelmed by, by it, which um, I think it's... The more that I think about it in the past... Sh- three hours or so uh the more that i i like it um so i had commented previously that mora hosta wanted to make a movie about children not necessarily a movie that features child characters but a movie that centers the child's experience and their level of concerns so even though say um Summer Wars, one of his previous movies, did have kids uh, doing their thing. They're also facing a extinction level event, so <laughs> not really kids' concerns. And he had something about how like the quietness and the normalness and the extremely like low stakes of a child's life is something that's not really figured in anime as much as they are shows for children. And that he was inspired to make Mirai no Mirai, um, which is technically translated like. Mirai from the future, but I think it's just Mirai over in, in the West in English-speaking areas, which is the name of one of the characters. Uh, but yeah, he wanted to make a, a show that that has this these, these little small concerns centered. Um, and uh, later he said that he wanted this to be a show about siblings to complete his uh, shows about youth uh motherhood fatherhood family uh so uh i think he's covered just about everything he had a really interesting uh in other interview he mentioned how he'd like all of his movies were major life events like summer wars uh was shortly after his marriage and then wolf children was inspired by his father by his mother's death and then um uh boy and the beast was the birth of his first child a son and now this is his second child a daughter and it's literally, it's extremely autobiographical from what I can tell in some ways and not in others. Uh, this young child, three, four, five years old, uh, uh, sees that his parents have brought home a new kid and feels left out. 
and he has these repeated sort of moments where he where the oak tree that's at the center of their house because they've got this very cool architecture architecturally innovative house that uh Mamora Hosta actually contracted a, a an architect to design and in fact he said that he contracted like actual industrial designers for all the stuff there's a motorcycle that features because he said this is a movie that's ultimately about real people so he wants to make sure that everything here is something that someone would design and so there's the, their backyard is at the center of their house and there's this there's this large oak tree and sometimes as he's experiencing strong emotions uh kun chan as they call as they call him uh has these moments where he's either he sees different characters from his family he's either teleported to them or they're teleported to him so at one point uh the dog yuko uh is is manifested as an older man who's mad about how he doesn't get attention anymore and they buy him the cheap food or he sees his sister mirai from the future come as a as a a grown-up teen and admonish him for hitting her on the head with his toy trains because this kid loves trains especially bullet trains and it's it's ultimately a movie about recognizing that being being a kid, being in a family is not so much about you and your your relationship between you and your parents or you and your siblings, but that you have this great chain of decisions and of being that is leading down there, st- stemming from your great-grandfather challenging the woman that he'll marry to a foot race, um, all the way down to you choosing not to be a shithead to your little sister so that she can grow up to be a more fulfilled person than she might otherwise be. And so I had made a joke before we started recording about how this is even more plotless than, than wolf children, which, which for all its extreme things happening is still kind of just like the story of two kids growing up. And this is even more, it's just, it's literally like in the space of, I don't know, weeks, months, just this kid kind of realizing that, family is more than just a couple of people who take care of you and that yeah i don't know i liked it i i think it's i think it's it's a much stronger than boy and the beast which is good because i thought that that was ultimately kind of not the best movie i mean i I had a lot of stuff that i liked in it but i think overall it kind of felt like someone who was out of ideas and clearly if his interviews are to be believed the birth of his child really gave him perspective on on this because it is just about it's very very high we never we never get into anyone else's head besides coon's head and he's you know a four-year-old who likes to make messes and doesn't like to clean them up and doesn't understand why he can't get all the attention all the time and has zero sympathy for his mother and father who are exhausted with a with a child a dog and a new infant in town so i think it's it's Overall, I think a bit more cute than profound, but I was surprised at the profundity that they turned out in the end with kind of arguing that these these events traveling forward in the future and further back into the past um, being filtered through this extremely small child's perception kind of had a meaning and actually taught him something and not in the teach you a lesson way that sometimes anime falls into. So, so yeah, I recommend it. I recommend it more than Boy and the Beast, honestly. It's funny because the only two movies I've seen are Summer War. I think the only two are Summer Wars and Boy and the Beast. I like both of them quite a bit. You should uh, watch Wolf Children. It's his best. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, that's what people say. Summer Wars and Boy and the Beast are the weakest, but they're the only two I've seen. Oops, I, me. I mean, I honestly like Summer Wars a lot, but I think it is like a lot goofier and 
feel good than any of his other ones which tend to have a like there's a lot of especially in in uh mirai no mirai there is like a lot of the loneliness of being a child where people make decisions for you outside of your realm of perception and it feels like you have no control and that can be really isolating and frustrating and they really do let you linger in that mental space where he doesn't understand why grandma won't think it's cool that he's built a massive train set all over the over three rooms like they're like clean it up and he's like okay and then she comes back and he's like built more trains and it's it's i don't know it's it's cute it's very slice of lifey probably as slice of lifey as a movie can get without just being I don't know the K on movie, but even that's not that slice of life. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, so no, I I recommend it, and I think it's it's probably worth your time, especially if you've been following his career because he's made films now about virtually every aspect of childhood and family that I can imagine. Two time travel stuff. Yeah, well, the time travel is not. It's very when you guys were talking about magical realism earlier. It's not. They really, he does really goes to a length to undermine that he's not actually traveling back in time, or if he is, it's an extremely like interior and personal experience because like he dreams about going back in time and seeing his mother as a child after he's been kind of a shit to her. And then like it cuts to him like lying in his bed and kind of murmuring to himself. I was like, oh, this is just a dream that he's having. But the other time, other points, they do, they are able to influence things in the world. So it doesn't really care about resolving, like, is this time travel? Is the tree like something magical or or is it just the delusions of a kid who clearly is bored and has a very active imagination? But yeah, he does he does like to use time travel to kind of if he can't put everyone in one house, all these generations, like in Summer Wars, he will is willing to send people forward and back in time to to face the consequences of their decisions and see the roots of where they are now. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I recommend everyone watch it, and I'm excited to see what he what he makes next. He makes a movie almost on clockwork every three years. So, yeah, I'll definitely watch it eventually. Looking, looking forward to one in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he'd ever make a series, or do you think he's wedded to the cinematic form? Well, it's it's funny actually because when I was looking at his background. And this is speaking of something that I've been rewatching recently, is that he was a, a story like the the lead non-Ikuhara storyboard artist on uh on Revolutionary Girl Utna, in addition to um, you know, his stuff making the Digimon movies, and I think he made one of the One Piece movies. I don't remember which one, and Andy's not here to care. So I so I think he, he came up, I think, in in um, his first breakouts were in series and now he's definitely gone more into the movie form format. And I think that's kind of just what he's here for. So I don't know. Um, he does seem to prefer the movie format very much. So, cause he said key animation on galaxy express nine, 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 the, uh, gay, 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 no Kitaro movie from 1999. And yeah, I don't know. I would be interested, but I think he does he does have a pretty good grip on just the tight 100-minute movie experience, which is where he tends to target like all of his stuff. So I don't think he would be enhanced by uh enhanced by uh going to a series. Oh, he was tapped to uh, he was tapped to direct Howl's Moving Castle but left the project early because he couldn't get along with Miyazaki. <laughs> That's predictable. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know what else to, to what else to say. It's it's kind of boring for just me to be like, yeah, it's good. And I'm trying to find more to kind of talk about with it, but I do think that it's just he's he has a lot to say about family more so than most people. And like, I feel bad about thinking that the boy and the beast I was like, Oh, okay. He's, he's kind of just, he always makes movies about kids and he doesn't really have much to say well, um, now, but it's, it's different for an uh, anime creator to be mostly w- w- making works inspired by personal events and life stuff. It's like, yeah, that's he, the... he says mom died during summer wars, which, I wonder if that kind of informed like the tragic there's a there's a point where an important character in Summer Wars dies and it's like given a lot of screen time then you're just like oh yeah he, his mom had died and he probably who knows if that if that casts a shadow it definitely casts a shadow on on wolf children which is very much about how like it's a short life but a good one so yeah anywho I think that's it. We don't have any other comments. Jeff's not bubbling over with Konosuba thoughts. <laughs> no, no, they, they can wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Let's go ahead and call it there. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. We're on Spotify, right? Did you guys on Spotify, John? Okay, Spotify, which is taking over all music and audio ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure nothing miss out. bad could happen there. <laughs> oh no, monopolies are good. We've seen so many anime about that. <laughs> uh, and remember, uh, well, first, yeah, emails, questions, keyframespodcast at gmail dot com. Um, we welcome any and all feedback, comments, whatever. And in that vein, tell a friend. Um, go with them to see a Mamoru Hosoda movie. Um, or apologize and make them see the Konosuba movie that's coming out. <laughs> like Jeff's so going to have to do. I've done this to you. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and say goodbye, y'all. Bye. 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 Bye.